Oh, friends, today's episode is one that is so close to my heart. It's something that our family recently went through. And we're going to share the full story with you. We're going to share how a mindset of faith can help you in the scariest times as it helped us and how anchoring into this faith will always lead you through. So let's get started on Jaya's Miracle. Hey there, Jules here, and welcome to Jules Loves Me, the podcast. My life is a surrender experiment where I choose faith over fear to follow my intuition. And it has all led me here to share wholehearted stories about what I've learned along the way. So take a nice deep breath, settle in, and remember, the light in me loves the light in you. Now let the elevation of your soul's experience begin. So as we record this, we are three weeks or so post family crisis. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Any any parent that has been through an emergency situation with a child, um, I just want to say that we are with you. <laughs> if you're going through it, if you have gone through it, we understand. And the reason why we want to share this story is because we had to face our biggest fears. Yeah, definitely. And what was so interesting about the timing was that our last episode, Me, Myself, and My Integrity, we talked specifically about fear and what i said spoke to me in the midst of all of the fear that i was feeling i remembered my own words from this podcast about fearing less choosing to fear less because in the moment you don't always feel fearless right and so strong because you can't let your fear divide you and you experienced the same with your words helping you in the moments that we were dealing with. So um, I just want to give a shout out to that episode <laughs> for helping me helping yeah. me through. Yeah. If I'm going to take a screenshot of my own episode and send it to me because <laughs> it was so helpful. And uh, side note, if any of our episodes are helping you in the moment, take a screenshot. If you're on Spotify, hit share. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit share. And I hope you do the same for this episode. So the big emergency, the big thing happened very softly. It wasn't uh, a big wild uh, freak accident or anything like that. Um, it's like slow drip. It was a slow process that was also kind of fast. Right. So. The the whole thing started with Jaya, which is our youngest twin. He's 10 minutes younger <laughs> than <laughs> Josie. And he had just a, a low-grade fever. He was fine, you know, as far as his, uh, attitude, you know, his, his attitude, everything, yeah. his demeanor, everything was fine. He was playing. He was normal. We just kind of noticed he felt he felt a bit warmer than usual. The fever then went from low grade. We started on a Sunday afternoon uh, realizing that the fever was now 
102. Mm-hmm. But his attitude was still great. So it was kind of confusing. Then we noticed that now he's saying that his tummy hurts. And he was, I call it like a miniature Benjamin Button. If you've ever seen that movie where Brad Pitt is a baby that's essentially born as an old man and reverse back. And <clears throat> Jaya who's two years old, was walking like a little old man as if he had a cane hunched over. And we thought, that is so bizarre. That's yeah. so odd. It wasn't him playing. Walking. Yeah, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't playing. playing. We, we don't play grandpa at our house. Yeah. Or, you know, It was just like such a weird thing to see your child do. And that really caught our attention. And his temperature continued to rise. It continued to rise. And so now we are... Uh, realizing that something is happening. So we call um, the doctor the next day. And unfortunately, we couldn't get in until the next day. And so we started to do all we could do to prepare of, hmm, what are we noticing? Make sure we have all of our notes together before our appointment. So that way, can figure out what's going on because this fever is now starting to worry us. We've had him in a bathtub because it shot over 103. We're controlling it with Tylenol. We are, you know, doing all the things that we know to do. And so we start noticing that this tummy hurt um, was what seemed to be his lower stomach. It seemed like maybe appendix but what it's kind of was kind of weird. The whole thing just felt really weird. Yeah. And all the, all the things that I could find. And when I, when I spoke with my father and I was a doctor, you know, more pointed to UTI. It was like, he most likely has, you know, some kind of UTI and let's, um, let's try to get a urine sample and that'll be a place to start, you know? Yeah. And so we got the urine sample and he said, I bet it's going to be really cloudy. And it was really clear. And that was another clue that, hmm, there might be something else happening here. Regulating his fever and basically feeling like we have a newborn because we're having to check on him every two hours while he's sleeping to make sure that his fever doesn't spike again until we get to the appointment. So that's Monday. So Tuesday morning, we are doing our televisit with our pediatrician and he's saying the same thing that we are that could be appendix, but that just is so rare because that's not a common thing for children in his age group. And so we thought, well, we don't want it to be the appendix. I'm pretty sure it's just a UTI. So let's just go ahead and affirm that and keep it moving, right? Let's get those antibiotics. Let's just, that was definitely my what I wanted it to be if if it were going to be anything. It just felt like, all right, we can, we can handle that, you know? So we all um, decided to load up and deliver the urine sample to our doctor. And um, so when you gave it to him, 
Yeah, I gave it to the uh, to the nurses and and I'd sent them a video of him walking uh, so that they could see that as well because he could we couldn't get him to do it on the actual uh, on the conference call, and so um, I waited in the waiting room for the doctor because um, they said this will just take him a second you know he'll do a dipstick and then he'll come back out and he comes back out and he says he says well the urine looks great and I was like okay <laughs> so not the urine he's like no it's definitely not a UTI. Um, and then he asked me, he says, is he here with you? And I said, yeah, he's out in the truck. And, um, he said, okay. And he kind of looked around for a second and then he said, let's go. And so he just walked outside. To and the this is lot. <laughs> totally not anything that he ever does. Yeah. Yeah. He just knew that he needed to see, see Jaya. Jaya. And so he, I opened the door to the truck and, and Jaya was there and he was, you know, kind of upset because his tummy, tummy was still hurting and the doctor wanted to push on him, you know, and, and, um, and that's when, you know, he looked at us and said, I don't know, guys, I think you need to take him to the ER. And I said, I don't want to go to the ER because I'm concerned about COVID. Yeah. And he said, I totally understand. But I think we're at the time where we need to go. He's like, this could be worse than COVID. Yeah. And I said, all right, that's what I needed to hear. I needed to make sure that I voiced that and the... ER thankfully is right across the street. So it wasn't a big ordeal to get there. Um, and I was able to check Jaya in and we could stand outside and wait, you know, we were masked and, um, you know, doing what we could do. Um, but you know, with, with all the news and everything, you're just kind of like, ah, I don't want to be in the emergency <laughs> I don't want to be in the emergency room. I mean, right before you walked in, there was a, a mom that carried a little girl and it looked like she was just like, she just so l- ill, just so yes. ill. And I'm like, oh my God, that girl most likely has COVID. You know, that's just what's going around. Don't know. But so we are in the emergency room and Jaya and I are there for a long time. So this is about 11 o'clock in the story timeline. 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning, and we are patiently just waiting on what, you know, they want to do to figure things out. And so they decide that we're going to do a CT scan. And with the CT scan, there is a need for contrast, which is essentially something that one must drink in order for things to become contrast on the scan so they can really see what they need to see. And um, for any parent who has ever had to encourage, and I use that word on purpose, encourage your child to drink something that they do not want to drink (laughs) is really hard. So we get through it and um, and through this process, you know, his fever. I have our thermometer with him. I have my Tylenol with him because I know it's what he likes. And so I'm just making sure that I'm keeping track of him and keeping track of this fever because I know medical professionals are busy, you know? So I'm just, and I can see that, you know, he's definitely in a tough spot. Like he's getting sicker as we're there. And, um, so the best that we could do the CT scan, we did it, but he was not still, and you have to be perfectly still. He was crying, screaming, because he was terrified. And um, it was heartbreaking. It was really hard.
And so we get through it and I saw them use the, con they explained to me, this is, we're adding the contrast now and all of that. So we're waiting for the results. So we go back to our room and we're just waiting for the results. So it's about four o'clock now in the story and the doctor comes in to talk to me and I can tell by his face that he has some news that he needs to share, um, that he's not sure how to share it. And so he says, um, we just got the results back from the scan and what we can see is there is a huge mass in your son's abdomen and we don't know what it is. He said, we need to get him to a children's hospital right away. The hospital we were in is very small. You know, we live in a small town, so. Definitely not used to dealing with a two-year-old trying to get a CT scan. Right, right, right. So at this point, I'm, I get you on the phone and I'm able to get your mom on the phone so he can just explain to you what's happening because it, it wasn't so much a Charlie Brown teacher, wah, wah, wah. It wasn't that. However, I didn't know how I was going to process and deliver this information at the same time. And I didn't want to leave anything out. So right. he graciously, you know, made the call to you and we were able to tell you guys what was going on. And I remember seeing your face on FaceTime when he said that about the mass and, um, and your mom immediately dropped everything and ran she just left her job and yeah. just ran to us and the urgency was clear like we need to take you in an ambulance because we need him to be first of the list when he gets there because we were like well can we just take him can we you know we, we have a vehicle we can drive and so they were like we need to get there and we need this urgency to be with him and we thought, oh my gosh, what is happening? So let's just pause right there. So we're having to deal with all of these unknowns. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking we're getting antibiotics and we're gonna come home, it's not gonna be a big deal. My biggest problem is gonna be giving him his medicine, is what I'm thinking. I had no idea it would ever turn into a doctor giving me that type of news. And it was very triggering for me because it brought me back to that conversation I had with a doctor so many years ago about what they found on a scan in my head right. and that tumor. And I, I just remember it hitting on a lot of old fears that were not helpful <laughs> in the current moment. However, I was aware of it. I was aware of it and, I, and that's why I knew I needed like other people with me to help. And I also sent a message out to family and said, Hey guys, this is what's going on on our thread. And, and I, I sent out the, the call, if you will, for the, for the prayer support. And the reason I want to say that and, and make sure that that point is clear is because sometimes people don't know how they can help. And the power of prayer truly is powerful. And I could feel 
I could feel the love coming to us. I could feel that extra support coming to us. And so the ambulance arrived and the drivers are very friendly and warm. And I'm grateful that um, they're going to be taking us because it's my first ambulance ride. Obviously, Jaya's first ambulance ride. Right. And it was um, it was really scary for all of us. And so we got him loaded up and he was... He was screaming his ass. He, he was, was so just terrified. so terrified. He was so terrified, and and um, it was very emotional for all of us. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I got in that ambulance and trusted that all would be well. And, you know, even before you got in that ambulance, um, you had the clarity to know that, um, you know, they thought Jaya was in pain. They were like, he's in pain. We have to give him pain med, you know, immediately. We're going to, you know, try to make him more comfortable for this ambulance ride because it's going to be bumpy and it's going to be hard for him, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, and then, and so you asked, you're like, What's he, what are you going to give him? Well, it was confusing to me. Um, and thank you for bringing that point up because that's also a good point for being an advocate. Yeah for someone else. And I was confused by their thoughts on him needing pain medicine because he had just gotten a dose of Tylenol. They said, well, we're just going to give him, I said, we well, just got some. And they said, yeah, we're going to give him more because he's, he's got to be in pain, but they don't know what's wrong with him. They just, right. and I said, um, what exactly are you going to give him? And parents, you have a right to ask questions. Please ask questions. And so they said morphine, which made me want to hit the ground. I was like, excuse me, why? Because, and for any medical professional listening to this, they may know that, you know, a low dose, you know, it's, it's safe for kids and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. However, I knew none of this and I just knew I was going straight on my gut and that didn't feel right. And yeah. I said, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. And um, their reasonings didn't quite make sense to me. And um, also, I know my child, and I knew that we, he would be okay. And so when we got into- You also knew that you know that he had not napped all day. He had not really slept. He skipped his nap. He was coming up on his bedtime you know, at this point. And, uh, and you know that he's just exhausted, and he's tired of people poking and prodding him. Yeah. You know, so it's like, right. you know. Yeah, we also had a really tough time with the IV and it was like, like, you know, horrific. And, and we, we just, there was a lot that we had gone through. And so morphine just didn't seem like the answer. <laughs> it just didn't seem like the answer. Peace and quiet seemed like the answer. So, and I knew that once we got into the ambulance, we could quiet everything down. And so thankfully, um, that um, that's exactly what happened. As soon as we got into the ambulance, he quieted down and went right to sleep. And he was able to sleep the whole way. And it was really interesting because um, the e the EMT let me know that, you know, she was so happy that he did calm down because um, they were looking to sedate him. And I said, oh, that's interesting because I was told it was for pain. So again, parents always make sure, not even parents, just always ask questions. You have a right to know. And if something doesn't feel right to you, it is your job to 
press for answers and press until you feel comfortable. So we get to the hospital and we didn't mention this part of the story, but there was a, a time there before we knew where we were going that we didn't know if there would be a bed available because of COVID. And um, I actually was, I was outside the ER waiting on you so I could try to come in and see you guys, but I had the other kids in the truck. So my mom wasn't there yet. And um, I saw the doctor just pacing back and forth. I didn't know he was a doctor at the time until I came in and met him, you know, later, but now I know that he was the doctor and he was, um, he was calling hospitals. He was trying to just call around and find Jaya a bed somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. And the, um, it turned out that the hospital, the best hospital, uh, that, that would be able to help him was in Jacksonville, Wolfson's children's hospital. And, uh, they were the ones that had a bed. So we were really grateful that we knew that we were going somewhere where he could get help. As soon as he said Jacksonville, I was like, man, I was like, COVID is really bad in Jacksonville. And he said, COVID's really bad everywhere. I know. And so again, ding, ding, ding on the fear markers of yeah. just like, great, you know, like you're having to deal with this. And every chance I could, again, in those moments where fear was so loud, I kept having to make the choice to fear less. Right. Fear less, fear less. So we get to Wilson's and we, you know, we've, it's a three hour ambulance ride and we get out. So Jai has been asleep. So when they open the doors, all the lights in the ambulance turn on. And so that was really Good. startling, right? I didn't know that's how it worked or, you know, I, I would have tried to prepare for, you know, prepare him. But, um, and then a helicopter was landing at the same time. So it was really loud. It, it, it was almost like a diehard movie. Like it was yeah. like really just, what the is happening? And it's the ER in Jacksonville, Florida. You know what I mean? It's like, it's super busy. It was busy lights. I mean, a helicopter. I mean, it was just the ambulance. Like there was so much happening. And so he was just kind of like, Wah! you know, just, and so I was able to get him calmed because as soon as he saw me, he was like, okay, you're here. So some some rightness is in my world and so <laughs> we we get checked in at uh 9 p.m so if you're following the timeline of the story friends we didn't sleep well on monday night and then went into tuesday thinking we were just gonna pick up some meds and come back maybe have a pizza night who knows right and now i'm in jacksonville and I don't know what's going to happen. Getting out of an ambulance in the middle of a diehard movie. Right. And we get inside and, I, and I'm starting to kind of piece together like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's happening? And so I'm catching up with you. And so what was going on on your end is. Yeah, I was just trying to, I was trying to gather everything that I could. I, I was, I, it, it is not an option for our family to, to break up and be split up from each other. 
Um, you know, it, we roll deep. Yeah. If, <laughs> if Jai is going to be in the hospital, then we're all going to be within, you know, a very close distance of the hospital. You know, I'm not going to leave anybody alone. You know, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave our kids alone with somebody else. Like everybody's just going to have to be in Jacksonville. So we got to figure that out. So I'm, you know, scrambling, trying to make accommodations, um, you know, via hotel or Airbnb or whatever, and gathering our clothes together and trying to figure out what in the world you would pack. Because <laughs> this is a big chunk of your job when we leave, you know, is like pulling all this stuff together. And so I, I felt like, you know, I was able to remain clear enough to get everything done. But I definitely was just walking around in a bit of a daze. I think we could have gotten out of here faster if I was not so just like dazed by the moment and by, you know, what was happening. You did great. Um, you did thank great. you. Thank you. And I, I think really what, what truly saved me, because once, once I landed in the truck and we started driving, um, you know, the kids quieted down in the back and it was just me and Julian and Josie and, um, and we were all just quiet. And, um, I decided that I wanted to listen to our podcast, um, uh, me, myself and my integrity. And so that's, that was the first time that I'd heard it post edit. And, um, and so listening to it, uh, was definitely what got my mind in the right place at a time when my mind would have started slipping another direction. Mm, wow. Um, wow. I am grateful that we recorded that episode. Yeah. Apparently we just did it for ourselves. Just for you and me. <laughs> so we, you guys arrive to Jacksonville, you guys get checked into a hotel while we figure out an Airbnb. And I am just waiting in the ER in Jacksonville for a bed. We're just waiting for a bed. And Jaya's in and out of sleep. And, um, you know, I'm in and out of prayer and, and just trying to keep myself calm and cool and collected so I can be clear minded. That was my whole thing is I knew that even though I would have little sleep, I, I just needed to keep myself clear. That was one thing I could control. And in the midst of all of the uncontrollables, including not knowing what the mass is, you know, yeah. I just like, what is it? What's going on in there? And so I thought, well, I can at least really lean in to my practice and my practice being choosing love and choosing to be a good friend to myself in really hard moments. So I didn't necessarily want to be on the phone and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to allow myself a space to just breathe and just be sweet to me and, and, and recognize that this was a really hard, scary situation. And I didn't want to numb it. I didn't want to numb that. Like, I just wanted to be able to almost find whatever blessing was in that moment for me, whether it was remembering something or thinking of a way that I could help Jaya or thinking of ways, something that might help me in the moment, you know, like that. I just wanted to be open to that. And I feel like that helped me because I was much calmer than you would expect one to be in that type of situation.
So an ER doctor comes in. Now this is the doctor we've been waiting on, you know, for him to really assess him. Thankfully, Jaya was asleep. So he was able to kind of press on him and see what was going on and without fighting or struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And so he pushed on his tummy and realized that it was tender and there was something there. And at that point, that doctor said, I think it's his appendix. I, I don't, the way that he's responding, the things that you've told me, I think it's his appendix. And I said, yeah, that's what our thoughts were too. And he said, well, we're definitely going to have radiology get involved because the uh, CT scan was terrible. They, we, it, we can't read it. And he showed it to me. He said, I want you to see this. And it was like a blur. He was like, you're supposed to be able to see things clearly. And I was like, <laughs> there's, I don't know what any of that is, you know, and no, I'm not a medical professional, but I mean, you can get the idea. Right, <laughs> there right, was like, right. none of it was all. They're like, there's no contrast. There's nothing. And he said, there's no, they, they didn't, they didn't do a contrast and you always need to do it. And I said, no, they did it. I was there. And he said, they did. He said, well, it did not show up. And I thought, what? the heck happened you know and i started to feel upset thinking like we put him through that basically for nothing and i bet they're gonna have to redo it right. you know so um this particular doctor there's something about him like he's got a very gentle way about him more than bedside manner there's something in his eyes that just feels very tender you know, and something about the way he was explaining things made me feel even more comfortable, you know, and just that I was in really good hands, that Jaya was in really good hands. And so we start to talk about the family being coming to Jacksonville and he was trying to give me options and explain how the Ronald McDonald house worked and things like that. And I said, you know, we understand that due to COVID, we can't be here at the same time. We understand that. And he said, I'm so glad that you understand that. And this was the first time that I could feel something else in his tone. And he said, because there are so many who do not understand that. And they think it's fun for us to separate families. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is really heavy on your heart. Like I could just feel that. And so he kind of looked away because I think he caught himself, you know, of just like a, a moment where it, he, it pinged his own heart. And, um, and I stopped and I looked at him and I said, thank you for all that you're doing to help not only us, but also all the other children in this hospital. Thank you. And I just expressed gratitude because I just felt like there was something there, you know? And so we go back to waiting. I mean, we're just waiting. So it's three more hours until we get a room. So we've been waiting in the ER for nine hours after waiting for like seven hours the first time around. The other year. Before the other year. Before the three Before hour, the three hour, right. right. So there's a lot of time right. that we're collecting. So we get to our room and um, Jaya's okay. He's okay. He's hanging in there. Um, however, things still are not good. Like he's really hot. Uh, you know, we're definitely having to keep an eye on his fevers. And I'm waiting on the surgeon to come in because 
ER doctor, Dr. Brian said, um, I'm going to have surgery get involved just in case it is his appendix. So they're already aware of what's going on. We have them on board. I just want to be prepared. The surgeon comes in and he says, you know, the way he's looking. And at this point, Jai is like starting to pass out. Like he's, 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 it just felt it was getting more serious by the moment. It was fast. Yeah, he was slipping. And I felt, um, I started to feel panicky. I remember texting you and telling you that I was struggling. I said, my heart is struggling. And it's because I couldn't tell what I was feeling. I could not decipher between if it was my intuition or if it was fear. And so sometimes that happens where you're just, you know, and so when that happens to me, I have to make the choice of saying I'm open to receiving guidance. Like, clear, I need something clear because I'm not clear. I'm not feeling clear. And so as I'm having this meeting with the surgeon and we're trying to figure out what's going on, um, this text comes in from our prayer partner, Marty, and it says, I have a message for you. Jai is going to be just fine. Jai is going to be just fine. And I know that when those messages come in from that particular person, they are very divine and they are very inspired and they're always on time. So there was a peace that came over me in that of knowing that he wouldn't say that unless he felt that in his prayer time. And so I hung on to that. I had, I believed it and I had faith in it. So that helped me start to bring myself back on track. You know what I'm saying? Like fear was trying to get me all confused and cloudy. And then I was able to bring it back. We made the decision at that point to do the CT scan. We already had thought that's what we were to do, but he's like, yeah, we're going to continue in that direction. Um, we should have answers in about five hours. So he comes back pretty quickly. I'm trying to try to drink this stuff. And he's just like, I'm over it. I'm over you. I'm over all of this. I just, I'm done. And he was just, he was very ill. He was very ill. I didn't know at the time, but his fever was at 104. Hmm. And I could feel, like you said, him slipping. And so when the when the surgeon came back into the room, he goes, you know, I, I actually got a hold of the radiologist. I went and I wanted to look at everything, see if I missed something, and I happened to grab the radiologist. And we looked over this together, and we think we know what it is. And I was like, great, because he's not, like, since I saw you last, he's already slipping farther. This is, something's happening. I don't know what, but something's happening. And he was telling me that they thought it was help me with this intersubcession inner intersubcession or something like that intersubcession yeah and so it's basically where the bowel overlaps it folds over itself and so he's now preparing me cuz you're on the phone he's preparing us for the idea of going in surgically to take a look around so getting that laparoscopic view of what's going on with the thought of, with the intention of being ready to remove part of his bowel should they need to. And, and 
for some reason, as scary as that sounds, as I'm saying it right now, I thought that sounds right. That sounds right. That sounds right. Okay. I felt it too. Cause I was like, y'all just need to get eyeballs on like, I was <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds right. And, and like um, in the ultrasound, they'd also done an ultrasound before this and they couldn't see it on the ultrasound. His appendix was, was hiding. They couldn't see, they couldn't find his appendix at all. So without being able to see it on the CT scan, on the ultrasound, him, this being so rare in kids, his age, they thought, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this is what he said with the way that he's feeling right now with his symptoms and everything else that we know, this is it. This is it. And this surgeon has so much experience. I mean, he's very confident. He's, he, his wisdom is incredible. I mean, he really is like top notch. And so I felt confident in him. Right. And I, and I said, we're, yes, let's do it. And he goes, the way that you're feeling about him and the way I'm feeling about this, he's like, we need to move. And I said, I'm with you. Where do I sign? Because we need to, I never, ever, ever thought I would be so, it, that that decision for to send my child to surgery would be so easy. I mean, well, to put it in perspective, you know, your grandmother was in the hospital, uh, you know, a few months back for a gallbladder and they were trying to remove her gallbladder and you fought that from here, uh, you know, to keep her out of gallbladder surgery because yeah. it, what they were telling you wasn't adding up. You know, but it was, it really was about the way that you were feeling about what was happening. Um, and with that situation, she didn't need, she didn't need her it. gallbladder removed after all, and everything was fine. And so this situation, it was just so interesting how, oh my gosh, I'm going to send him off. You know, where do I sign? You yeah, know, it was like, yeah. you want to take him now? You know, and it's like, he said, I've got two procedures to finish up. They're real quick. I'm going to come back and get them. I said, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we start working on getting his fever down and um, start preparing ourselves mentally that he's going to need to go into surgery and they're just going to have to do whatever they have to do. And we're okay with whatever right. has to be done. I remember asking him, I'm like, are we talking colostomy bag? Like, what are we talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Here, and and he like, said, possibly. Possibly, you know. I just can't imagine a colostomy bag with a two-year-old. Like, no. how do you do that? So, so, they, uh, so he leaves and... I leave you with Jaya so I can just get some fresh air. I kind of thought I might be able to leave to get a shower at the Airbnb that we now have um, that I haven't seen yet because <laughs> <laughs> it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, maybe not quite that late in the morning, but it's, it's, it's morning time on Wednesday and uh, I still haven't slept. I'm just rolling with it. And so I said, well, I don't know. I don't feel like I have enough time to leave. I'm just going to go outside. So I go outside, was able to catch a quick moment of just quiet and just breathe in deeply. And then you call me and you're like, they're coming to get him. They're getting him. They're getting him now. And so I'm like, whoa. I don't even know where I am in the hospital and I'm trying to get to you. And so I get to you and... um now the process starts, you know, now we have to go to see the anesthesiologist, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And so we, we get to that point and I'm so grateful that 
in the process, like they're very, very strict on, on COVID right now. And, and so if you have a, a relative child in the hospital, only one parent can be in the hospital at a time, like in the building. Um, and somehow during this process, we were actually able to, like I was in the room with Jaya, you were able to get onto the floor, into the room. We both went with him as far as they would let me go because only one of us could continue. Um, and I, I think I got all the way to the surgery floor, um, before they said, all right, dad, or all right, dad, here's it. I did it. All right, dad, here's as far as you can go. You know? And I was like, okay. And I I hugged you guys. The nurses helped us. They, that's how they totally helped. And I, I, I said, please, is there any way we can just, you know, be able to both be with him before he goes and, and they made it happen. So, um, so he, I get with him to uh, anesthesiology and, um, and at this point they're telling me, okay, so from here, we're going to take him from you and then he's going to get the anesthesia or whatever. And I, I know how this is going to go. It's not going to go well. So I said, well, are you sure you got, you have to take him from me. Like, can't he be a little knocked out before I leave? <laughs> Cause I'm pretty sure yeah, <laughs> this is it. for your benefit. Like now I'm like, who wasn't somebody talking about sedation at some point? Like, we're, you know, Hey, and, and, uh, the nurse is like, no, this is how it's going to go. I was like, okay. And I just trusted, I let it go. I didn't push because I didn't want to upset anybody, including myself. And I just said, I'm just going to trust. And so the anesthesiologist comes in and she is like, oh, she's so bright. You know, when someone's energy is just so bright and you can Mm -hmm. just feel it and and see it. And so she was so wonderful with him. And she realized that it would make her job easier to have me with him. And because that was my thought, do you really want to upset him before he's going to receive anesthesia for the first time? Like, it doesn't, it feels like we can do better. It feels like you can use me, you know, to utilize (laughs) what I have as a mama that I can bring, which is comfort. And so she recognized that immediately. And so she worked with the, with the other nurse. Um, She worked this whole plan to just get him onto the stretcher without him even realizing it. And, and she kept saying, mommy's here, mommy's here. See, mommy's right here. She's not leaving. See, she, and so he knew I was there. And so we were on the roll and I got to go and, um, and I just was touching him. So he knew I was there and they just went through those doors and I couldn't follow. And she, she put up the thumbs up, like we did it, did a good job. And I couldn't see him because the bed, you know, the stretcher. So I could just see her. She was the last person I saw. And as they went through those doors, I remember recognizing the Christ in her, recognizing God showing up as a person through her in this moment. And she was going to be taking care of my baby. And I had to trust and I had to let them go. And then those doors closed. And 
the feeling that my heart felt was indescribable. There was such a, such a cry within it that I knew I needed to get out. figure out how to get back to the room and I get up there and I let myself cry the first time really that I've been crying at all throughout this whole thing and um, little bits here and there but that was like the cathartic kind of so I, I allowed myself I didn't fight it you know I was in in our private room you know I'd taken off my mask and allowed myself to cry and what's interesting about crying is that when you allow yourself to cry, because when you want to cry, your body actually is choosing that way to cleanse you of all the toxins that are in there. So all the cortisol and all the adrenaline from the fight or flight that's happening from all this scary stuff. My body knows that crying is the best thing for me to clear out. So your tears are there to purify you. They are holy water. And so I let them flow. And that whole cycle only lasts about five minutes, which I mean, think about, like I know there's people listening who are like, when I have a boohoo, it's not bubble cry. It's a big one, like it lasts forever. It's like, it's never gonna stop. That's why I don't even wanna start. But the thing is, is like our mind, what we think about, we can make it last longer. Right. But, the, but the natural cycle of it is only about five minutes long. And that was true for me. And I was like, whew, all right. So I brushed my teeth and I washed my face and got myself pulled back together and went down. And we happened to run into each other in the um, uh, waiting area. Mm -hmm. And But we're not technically supposed to be in the building at the same time. But we're like, they don't know that we're together. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, let's just sit right we'll here. Just, we'll just be very quiet. And if someone says anything, we will separate. Like, yeah. but, but I'm like, <laughs> I really need you right now. So we, we, there's this huge waiting room. And we, we didn't know how they were going to find us. It's not like you're at a restaurant and you have like the thing that goes on your table. That's like, hi, over <laughs> here, we're table 16. You that know, would like, totally make sense. Yeah, though. like <laughs> nothing, right? So we're thinking, oh, I hope they can see me. So we just thought, oh, well, we'll sit wherever we feel like sitting. And so we sat. I didn't even pay attention to what was around me, just sat down. And I'm not kidding within moments of our butts hitting those chairs, all of a sudden, I a door opens right next to us. And I'm like, oh, there's a door there. It was I, just a plain door. It was like just a plain, plain. It wasn't like a medical door. It was like a plain white door. It was like a, yeah, it was just like a closet door or something. Yeah. It was, <laughs> and then it opens. And the surgery assistant 
who I'd met earlier, comes out with a huge smile on her face. Like she came looking for it as if she knew we were there. Yeah. With this big eight by ten picture. And she's like, it was his appendix. And we were like, what? what? It was, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was his appendix. It ruptured. Here's a picture. Here's a picture. <laughs> He's getting everything out now because there was an abscess and that was the mass. And uh He's doing great. Okay, bye. And then she leaves. We're like, what just happened? just happened we have been given so much grace and mercy that we don't even have to sit here and wait and freak out and wonder and choose love over fear and it it, is done there's no removal of bowels here there is no no that's not it but that was the thing we needed to believe in order to get the right procedure rolling right so surgeon comes out and we're like, he, he sits down and he's like, y'all, I've been doing this a long time. He's like, I thought I knew what it was. I knew for sure what it was. And I don't say that lightly. He's like, and it wasn't. Oh my gosh. He's like, this is the best outcome. Yeah. This is the best case scenario. And he said, this is so amazing because we were able to, the way that it ruptured, it all stayed together. And so this infection, it, it wasn't traveling into all these different places. It stayed together. And he was able to get that out and laparoscopically. Yeah. Like he didn't even have to do the big incision or. Oh. Yeah. Y'all, I mean, just to put this in perspective, if you look at your pinky and you look at the top half of your pinky, that's about the size that Jai's appendix should have been. And the the mass that they were seeing was his appendix, and it was like the size of an egg. Yeah. The surgeon said that he felt like it was like full of rocks. Yeah. Um, and he somehow was able to, you know, get all that out through a very tiny little laparoscopic hole. And he also shared with us that almost 100% of the time, that this is misdiagnosed in children under three. So we can just sit here and, and understand how much grace and, uh, and if they had, honestly, if they had known that his appendix had ruptured, if the CT scan had showed that they would not have operated. Right. And that's because the they're other concerned thing. about the the infection spreading further when they operate. But because of the way the like they would have treated him for weeks with with an antibiotic trying to control the infection and then they would have removed the appendix. And I'm so glad that you brought that point up because they would have treated it for weeks. When the surgeon came out, he said, I'm so glad that we didn't waste time that we didn't have with this doing another CT scan because we were down to the wire. We were down to the point where he was becoming 
toxic and he was very, very ill. So within all of that, God was right there as always, like God's always there. That's the thing, wherever we are, God is and all is well, right? In this story, it was our awareness of God's presence that gave us comfort and gave us direction, you know? Because I was able to make very important decisions on very little sleep and that in itself, you know, divine wisdom is what I was tapping into. Trust, faith. This is why this stuff is so important. It's not for the moments of only when you need it. It's so you have a practice established. So when you do need it, you just sink into your training. And that's what we did. so many times when the you know the obvious fears come up you know when you don't when you amass anytime somebody says amass you're like oh it's cancer you know so i'm like oh we, we he's he's got a cancerous tumor in his stomach and we're gonna be you know we got to stay in jacksonville for months possibly to you know to get this worked out like all these thoughts go through my mind but i latch on to none of them i allow them to float by like a cloud float on by So we get through and he now is in post-op and he is uh, in recovery, he comes to the room. I mean, we're just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, right? He, and the doctor says, if he's right as a rose, has had no fevers, there's no problems, within five days post-surgery, he can go home. Typically it's seven, but he's got to be looking right at five days and then I can let him go home. And we're like, okay, that's the goal. All right. Overachiever <laughs> parents, let's do this. You know, like we were like, we're getting out of this hospital. And so now I start leaving during um, a portion of the day to go see our other kids <laughs> and, and um, get a shower and get a shower yeah. and get a nap because I, when people go through things, I'll say, how's your self-care looking right now? And I, and I say, I know that sounds like a funny question, but it's, it's a real question. And because every moment that you can grab is like putting fuel in a tank, you know? So the showers not only helped because I'm leaving a hospital and I'm, you know, cleaning myself before I see the kids, but it also gave me something back. It, it rejuvenated me a little bit. You know, I'd go outside immediately with the kids and play so I could feel the sunshine on me. I could breathe fresh air that wasn't circulating through filters. You know, I was very aware of that. I needed that stuff to just like, you know, eating eating good food. I'd go and eat salads and fruit and try to fill myself up because I knew I had to do night shift. And 
you know, so all those things, I couldn't forget about it. I knew that I still had to take care of me so I could continue to take care of Jaya. So, and it was great because you had a chance to be with him during the day. And, uh, and he was definitely making some progress. Um, I wasn't sure what he was going to do post-surgery. I wasn't, I, I don't know him post-surgery. I didn't know if he was going to rally and be like, yes, let me get out of bed and let me start walking. Let me start doing, I didn't know. And, but what I did know is that I have been in that position before from having surgeries. And I know that the worst thing that you can do is to really push somebody. And instead you really have to lead with kindness and just gentleness. And, um, and, and so I just had to do that and mm -hmm. just be with him and not necessarily just let my fear drive and be like, we got to get out of here, baby. We got to go. You know, <laughs> you know, you know what? The, the very first sign that I knew he was going to be just fine in his recovery when he yanked that feeding tube out. Mm -hmm. Oh, the, he was like, yeah, he's like, nope, get that out of my nose. It was, it was like two <laughs> seconds after he came back to the room and they said, well, yeah. if he, we're going to leave the tube and, and then I turned around and, and it was gone. And I was like, what? he didn't even, he was still asleep. Like I don't even, <laughs> so anyways, that no. And, um, so yeah, so the next day he got the catheter out. He was, you know, every day was like a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, so then he took three steps and the doctor comes in um, soon after Jaya was about to nap and, and the surgeon is like, he's looking great. And, you know, if he keeps on this track, you know, it looks like he'll be able to, you know, go home on, he said, maybe Sunday. I was like, really? Because five days would have been Monday. And he said, but probably Monday. And I was like, I, I was planning on Monday you know, with him being right as a rose, as you put it. And, um, but Sunday sounds good too. Like, okay, got it. Right. <laughs> so then Jaya goes to sleep for the rest of the day. So Jaya's asleep from 11 o'clock until 6.30. This is 11 o'clock AM, 6.30 AM the next day. Yeah. My whole shift, he was, he was out. So this time I'm like, Wow. He's really sleeping. Okay. Is this good? Is it, it felt good. Like, yeah, it seems like exactly what you should be doing. And uh, I can see his stats, you know, his vitals and everything's good. He's just sleeping. Okay, great, great, great. So now it's nighttime. It's um, Friday night and I have my school project that's due. By the way, I have a school project due in the middle of all this. And so... I had, you know, gotten some good self-care at the house, good time with the kids. I had, we napped together, we ate together, we played together. It was fun, right? So I'm like, all right, Jai's still snoozing. Doesn't look like he's going to wake up. I guess I'll do some schoolwork and I'll finish my project. I wasn't going to push myself to get that done. However, it was really important to me and I saw the window, so I did it. Yay! By the way, I turned it in on time. Yay! <laughs> so I... You know, I'm, I get done with that. And when I'm logging onto the computer, I see you open it. And when you log onto the internet, it kind of shows you these news, you know, things of like what's going on. And so this article pops up and it says, epicenter of the coronavirus in North Florida. And I was like, oh no, I'm in North Florida right now. 
And then I look and I'm like, why? I don't want to see this. And then I see the hospital name of where I am listed as the epicenter for the coronavirus. And I thought, this is not nice. This is not fair that I got to see this. Like, I don't want to see this. This is, and I start getting, like, I can feel the fear starting to come at me. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, I, okay, he's healing. He's healing. He's healing. We're going to get out of here. Cause now I just want to be out. Like, I just want to, can we just roll this bed out? I want to go. We need to go. Right. I'm just, but I know that I got to slow it down and I got to calm it down. And so I start to, then, then I start looking at him and I'm like, is this really okay that he's sleeping this long? You see how fear works? Mm -hmm. Is this really okay? Uh, this, so the nurse comes in. I'm like, is this all right? Are you good with him sleeping this much? And she's like, yeah, he's, this is great. You know, it's just, she's checking him and, and she's like doing all these little nurse things that she can do to determine that he is okay. And she goes, yeah, he's fine. He's good. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the healing zone. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, healing zone. I was like, I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. I need to get myself to the healing zone. I, I, I need to, I need to not let one spot of fear enter my heart. I need to go to sleep. I need to pray, and I need to go to sleep. And so I get in my little couch bed, and I put my hand on my heart, and I start, and I'm like, I'm so, I'm feeling really scared right now. I'm gonna be totally honest in my prayer and I I'm really feeling this and I don't want to be here and I don't I don't I just want to be done with this and I just ugh. and um and I was like and I and in my prayer I was like is this really okay that he's sleeping this <laughs> <laughs> and clear as can be I got this message and it was receive healing with gratitude and I instantly understood to receive healing with gratitude. And what was so special about that message is in the midst of all this, we were running a program within our membership community called Next Level You. And Sunday was going to be, this is Friday night, the, the Sunday was gonna be the last day of the course, which is heal. You go from awareness all the way through to heal. And that's the title of that week is receive healing with gratitude. And I thought, oh, that whole program is happening right now as a support, as a reminder for me to do my work, especially right now when you need it the most. And so I allowed myself to hang on to that. This is why affirmations and mantra are so helpful. I didn't let that that egoic thought keep spinning in my mind of epicenter, 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 epicenter. Is, is is he ever gonna wake up? Is it? You know, it's like. So he woke up the next morning. I went to sleep peacefully. Um, he woke up the next morning hungry, and he was great. And you could tell we were definitely getting on track. And they weren't ready to give him food yet. So we went through that day. And the next day he woke up, his diaper had leaked. So there was, you know, I had to take his robe, his uh, gown off. Um, but they had told me I could bring clothes just in case. So I had some clothes, I got him dressed. And I was like, man, this is good. And I could feel him starting to kind of 
see himself differently. And um, like he looked a little bit more pepped up, you know, and um, and so the surgeon comes in and she says, so are you ready to eat pancakes and waffles? And he said, yes. <laughs> and we just it just started and he 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 was back on track. You know, we were able to feed him and and you know get him some water and and he just was was back he was back you know he was coloring he was playing with his cars and it was such a huge shift you know huge um moment and i'm so grateful that i was able to receive that healing with gratitude and i didn't you know it just it was so obvious to me of like you can even you'll even let healing scare you and i thought man ain't that some okay well receive your <laughs> healing with, with gratitude got it one thing that i did experience that i didn't share yet is i had a really important conversation with um, a doctor and what happened while he was, um, sleeping, this was not the night that he slept the straight was the next night. He was sleeping again, deeply. The nurse asked me, she said, is his heart rate always low? And I said, what's low? And she said, well, it's in, it's, it's in the eighties right now. And I was like, I don't, I'm not sure. I think that sounds right. And so she looked, she said, yeah, yeah, he's been, that's about his normal. Okay. And then I started, no, the, the machine starts beeping, beeping. And I'm like, what's happening? And I start realizing his heart rate's really low and it's going, it's in the sixties and then it's going to the fifties. And I'm like, oh my God, my child is dying. Like, oh my uh, somebody <laughs> save my baby. Somebody save my baby. I'm like, I'm like shaking him. Jaya. And so his heart rate starts to go back up and then goes back down. And it's really, it's so low. It's like dipping low. I'm sending pictures to you. And they're all like, what? And the nurse comes in. She's like, no, he's okay. And I'm like, no, the other nurse said that 80 was low. This is half of that. This has got to be really low, right? So we keep going. And, and they're like, how about if we call um, someone from surgery to come talk to you? And I was like, that would be great. Like, I'm, I need somebody to talk to. I'm sure everything's fine. However, I now need someone to talk to me so I can sleep. And they and they saw they saw the the crazy look in my eye, and that was fine. I didn't have to hide it. So they called up for someone to come talk to me. And it was amazing because it was Dr. Brian from the ER that came back. And so when he came back, he said, hey, it's still me. And I was like, hey, it's still us. And so we got to talk about Jaya. And what I learned is that kids, uh, when they're sleeping really soundly, their heart rate can dip like that really low. And I was like, oh, so my child's basically a hibernating bear. Okay, I didn't know that, good to know. Yeah, he was getting was, that REM sleep. I was he like, was... I don't normally have him hooked up to all these you know, monitors and devices at home, so this is news to me, okay? And then, so it was very sweet, like no big deal, nothing's wrong. However, it created space for Dr. Brian and I to talk 
and it was unexpected. This all of a sudden we were in a conversation about the coronavirus and the hospital and how it was taking its toll on him and how he was having a really hard time showing up to do his job because there was just so much work. There were so many people that were sick that didn't need to be sick and how the night before wasn't able to resuscitate somebody who lost their life to COVID because their parents didn't believe in the vaccine and how that was weighing on his heart and how he was, you know, just the human experience of it. And I, I listened and I asked him, I said, what can I do as one person to help you? There's one thing I can do as one person to help you to restore a little bit of your hope in the world. What would it be? And he said, share your experience. If you have a positive experience, share it. And that will help. So if you had a positive experience with getting vaccinated, share that, which I did. Everybody in my family, in my circle, had great experiences with receiving the vaccine. So in my personal experience, I don't have fear around that. There, there hasn't been anything negative in my scope. So I can share that and feel good about sharing that. I also mask all the time. And we talked about that. We talked about how if you don't feel comfortable getting the vaccine because of your own reasons, then the other option you have is to mask and be vigilant in masking because that's something we know can help these overwhelmed hospitals and these people from not being able to help us. You know, these medical professionals are doing the best they can, but they're literally running out of beds. Don't forget in the beginning of the story, we couldn't, didn't even know if we could get Jaya in. We didn't even know if we could get him in to a hospital. And he didn't have the time to wait. And he didn't have the time to wait. So my way that I am helping is to share this message right here, right now. If you feel like, I feel like I maybe should go check out something on the vaccine, do it, follow that, investigate it. Think about your beliefs if you're scared on it, but allow yourself some time with it to think about what it is you really think and feel about it, not what has been handed over to you to think and feel about it. And if you find yourself not willing to do it, then mask up, wash up, stay back, you know, do everything possible that you can control what you can control. So I share that on behalf of the sweet, sweet Dr. Brian, who told me that I restored a little bit of hope in him because he was feeling hopeless. And y'all, we don't need those medical professionals feeling hopeless while they're out there caring, especially for our children.
So to sum up this whole experience and the reason why we want to share it on this podcast is that number one, any emergency that happens in your life, any, any crazy thing that comes along that, you know, turns upside down what you think is normal and gives you something new to deal with, do not use that as an opportunity to, you know, abandon your faith. Uh, I can, I can 100% say that if we had not been able to remain clear in making decisions and not allowing our mind to run away in the what ifs, things could have gone differently. You know, each doctor that had a hand on Jaya was guided by spirit. Um, to do what they needed to do to get them to the next person that was going to be the next part of the puzzle. And it all flowed together seamlessly. I believe that from the time this all started, that this, that his care was going to flow seamlessly the way that it needed to go so that he would be able to make it out and be okay. And the, the practice that we put in, the practice that we talk about on this podcast, the work that we do within the Miracle Lab, all of that is what gave us the peace and the clarity to be able to face this storm with the confidence of Jesus in the boat. Um, and mm. that is exactly what I felt like. That's a good one. It wasn't until, you know, we got back to the house and, and the kids got this huge king bed and they were all sleeping in it. They were just all happy, just so happy to be together again as a family that it, the, the magnitude of everything we had gone through really started to hit me. And I, I, all I could do was weep because anytime I started to think about it, that's why we had to wait three weeks to record this because we could barely talk about it without getting emotional. Cause it's just when you realize how you are always, you're always in God's perfect care even in the epicenter of the coronavirus, the belly of the beast, you still can find God when you're looking. And that's our, our prayer for, for all of us in this episode is that in those moments when you find yourself in your garden, and this garden is the inner garden, you know, when you find yourself in there, in your stillness your quiet space of your heart may you plant seeds of flowers and not just look for the junk may you be able to recognize the beauty that surrounds you and not just all the fear that can pop up May you be able to see and feel God with you all the time and know that even if you don't know how to get through, step by step you will. And then when you look back, you'll realize how far you've come because that's what I know for sure is that we figure it out in the process as it's all moving, as as it's going, we don't get the instructions beforehand. And then we get to calmly know exactly how this is going to play out. No, it's, it's far more miraculous. 
and our faith throughout it is what is fueling it to continuously move in the direction of our favor. And we share this story because we know how dark the world can feel. And we hope and we pray that the story of Jaya's miracle can help to spark your faith or maybe help it burn even brighter in our world. So let's all take that in. Just put your hand on your heart. Let's just take some nice deep breaths as we think about gratitude. Gratitude is the gateway to joy. I'm grateful for all of the miracles that I have experienced that I share with others and that are on their way to us now. May we continue to have spiritual vision to see the good in the darkest of moments, to see the blessings that are hidden, waiting for our careful eye to find them. May we be able to breathe in those moments where we want to hold our breath and allow ourselves to know and to trust and to hang on. As we continue on through the rest of our day, the rest of our week, the rest of our month, we know and we can feel this presence guiding us, working in us, as us, and through us. And we are grateful. And so it is, and so we allow it to be. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening with us, friends. We greatly appreciate you and your attention. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this with a friend, please. We need more miracles in the world. And it starts with you. And remember, the light in me loves the light in you. Till next time. You've been listening to Jules Loves Me, the podcast. If you feel uplifted and inspired and seen, I invite you to join us in the Miracle Lab, where we expand these conversations into spiritual teachings. Do you need a mentor or an accountability partner? Come to the lab and let's support each other while we experiment with miracles and grow together. Visit www.themiraclelab.org. Special thanks to my co-host Josh, who's also on production and sound design. And a big thank you to you for listening. Send me a text and let me know it landed. 229-206-9280. I'm your host, Jules, and remember, the light in me loves the light in you. I'll see you in the lab.